Well, what's up, Mission? How we doing? Good morning, good morning. Uh, if you're hanging out online or in the patio, man, it's so cold out there. Uh, come on inside or the lobby. Welcome, welcome, welcome. My name is Mike Hickerson. I'm honored to be the lead pastor of Mission Church. Honored that uh, Mission's a part of your weekend plans on this Super Bowl weekend. So before we get started, it's like it's, I'm obligated morally to talk about um, 49er. Any 49er fans going for today? Yep, good. Yay. I'll pray for you. It's good. Any Chief fans? It's good, yeah. Any Taylor Swift fans? I thought that'd be louder. Okay, all right. That's, that's basically what the Super Bowl is. No, good luck to both teams. It'll be a fun game. I'm just hoping there's great commercials and a close game and the refs don't get involved um, and that the 49ers lose, but they probably won't. So there you go. That's the way it is. Um, but that has nothing to do with the service today, but welcome. Welcome to Mission, where we exist as a church to help people find and follow Jesus. That's what we go after. Man, we believe that God is who he says he is, and we'll do everything that he promised to do. That he sent Jesus into the mess to rescue and save, not because we're awesome. In fact, we think that there are no perfect people here. We think that God is awesome, and we are not perfect. And so we think it's helpful, most services, to turn to the person next to us and be like, hey, I think he's talking about you when he talks about imperfect people. So I just want you to know that I think that you are, imper you are not perfect. So if you just want to tell the person next to you that, that would be great. Go ahead and say that to them right now. They'll say it back to you. You may get a little defensive about it. Um, you may, the energy may up a little bit. Here's the deal. We don't say that to cause shame. We don't say that to power up. We don't say that because we're in a fight with each other right now. Later, you may say how imperfect they are because you're in a fight with each other to cause shame. But that's not what we do as the church together. We want to remind ourselves, man, there are no perfect people around here, but there's a perfect God who rescues and saves. Right? That's what we say. And so we're all on, this, we're all on the same playing field, that without Jesus, we're sunk. And so that means that anyone is welcome, and we don't just, but change is possible. Like, we don't have to stay stuck in our, like, imperfection. We don't have to stay stuck in our stuckness. We don't have to stay stuck in our unhealth. We don't have to stay stuck in our cycles that have got us where we are. We actually have been, getting, been given everything from God that we need to live the life that he's called us to. And it's possible. And we're going to talk about that today. And that's the hope that we cling to, this confident expectation that God is both willing and able to do everything that he promised to do. Like this, that tethers us to that, that there's hope for every single one of us. And, man, I love what is going on in this church. Um, I love everything that we've been talking about. I love the series that we're in. We're in the series called Some Things Never Change. And Jody taught an amazing, 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 amazing message last week. It was so good. Um, and it was about the fact that God reigns. And she showed, she started with some pictures of like some things that never change. And she outed herself with a glamour shot. Um, and I was impressed. Uh, I, was, I was like, so, sorry kids. A glamour shot is, uh, uh, you would dress up at a, at a mall um, sorry, a mall is a, uh, never mind, never mind. I, it's, you have to Google it. You have to Google it. So I decided that maybe I would just follow suit. I didn't take a glamour shot, but I did take a senior picture. Um, and so this is circa Mike Hickerson, 1995. Um, shout out Owasa, Oklahoma, Lloyd's Photography. There you go. So, um, let me just point out a few things, uh, that gladly have changed. This was a, like a cut, a bowl cut with a line down the middle. Um, there, there's another name for it. I won't say it, but I was big into Dead Poet Society at the time. So that, there's that. This, every person I knew in the world had this little polo shirt um, in high school. Um, this is a class ring, a, a class ring. You would get one. I don't know why, um, but everyone would get one. And if you were dating a girl, they would wear their ring, but they'd have to get a ribbon on their finger to wear it. Does anybody remember this? Am I the only one? Okay. And you'll notice I still have mine on. Uh, 
I don't know where mine is right now, um, but that's, that's fine. It was very valuable. But the, probably the highlight of the whole outfit right here is this braided belt. So it's, this is like a brown braided belt with like three strands, and you would like buckle it right here, but you didn't stop there. Oh, no. You, you like wrapped it under and through and down, and you were trying to get this thing as long as you could right there, and that's when you knew you were really cool. Is anybody with me and had that thing? Yes. Okay. So seniors in high school, it changes and it can get better. It's all right. I'm just saying. I got a lot to tell that guy. But what we've tried to say, there's a lot of things that change in this world, but in this series, there are some things that never change, like that we can hold to, that we can tether to, that we can anchor our life to. The fact that our God reigns was last week. I mean, on our worst day, our God reigns. When it seems like you don't know what's going on, our God sits on the throne, and he's in control, and we can trust him. When life is good, our God reigns. When life is bad, our God reigns. Like we can trust an, an, a known God to our unknown future because he reigns. And then today we're going to talk about the Bible still speaks. I mean, and next week we're going to talk about how Jesus still saves and it's baptism Sunday. I am pumped about it. Let's go. It will be a ton of fun. And then the last week we'll talk about how the spirit still empowers. We'll have a guest speaker here and I am so, 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 so excited about it. Um, I, so today we're talking about the Bible still speaks. and Everybody's like, oh man, I don't know. It's like a, a Bible talk. You know, I didn't, I thought I'd come to church and it'd be something different than a Bible talk. I don't know what else we're teaching from other than the Bible, but it's a Bible talk all the time. But the Bible deals with really important questions. And I think sometimes we get so intimidated by it because we're walking in and we're like, I don't know if I believe all this God, Jesus, Bible, church, Christian stuff yet. And they're teaching from the Bible, but I don't know anything about it and I don't know how to engage with it. But it's actually one of the best tools that God has given us, one of the best gifts that God has given us to grow our faith. And the Bible still speaks. It's actually one of the primary ways that God uses um, uh, his word to influence our lives and to help us transform our mind, heart, body, and soul, right? So it answers these questions. It deals with these questions like, who are we? Where did we come from? Why are we here? Where are we going? How are we supposed to live? How are we supposed to interact with each other? What's true? What is life all about? What's the meaning of all this? Like all those things can be answered from the Bible. Now, you may not like the answers, but that's not what we're talking about. But the Bible is true and it still speaks. It has this big arc of like creation and fall and redemption and restoration that's beautiful. Sometimes we don't even know kind of how the Bible is laid out. And so maybe this may be new to you. Um, this may be like old hat to you. And you're like, I got the Bible. I've been like a Christ follower for like 20 years. I, do, I know all the felt board stuff. I could do the felt board right now. I mean, I don't obey it or like memorize it. I just kind of know the major themes. And I get a lot of the verses wrong. And I kind of make up my own verses that I think are Bible verses <laughs> that I live by. And that, that's my Bible. It's, oh, you know people like that? Oh, I'm sorry, sorry. So what is, so what is the Bible? And so our creative team helped put this together. And so the Bible is like there's 66 books that kind of make up the one book of the Bible. And so there's 39 that are in the Old Testament and 27 that are in the New Testament. And I'll explain kind of what that means in a second. But the Old Testament starts out with the five books of, of law. Like this would be like Genesis, ex, or Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Our Jewish friends would call this like section right here the Torah. It's like one of their primary scriptures as well. This is like the book of law. And if you've ever tried to like read through, you're like, maybe you got real gutsy one year. You're like, I'm going to read the Bible from cover to cover. And you're like, I'm starting with the beginning. Like it says in the beginning, so that must be the beginning. And it's on the first one. So you went, you're like, I'm doing it. I bet a million dollars less than probably 1% of us, we, we got about here. And we're like, uh, I'm, 
I'm good. I don't know those words. I don't know those begats. I don't know all those families. And so you, if you're trying to read the Bible all the way through, you're going to get stuck in some of these parts because this book of law is pretty feisty, right? Anybody else try to do that? You just want to admit it? And you're like, I'm out. I'm out. I tap out. So then you go like this chunk of law that then moves to this chunk of history. And if you're a history buff to know some of the stuff, it's amazing, like the books of history and what's going on in Joshua and Judges and Ruth and First and Second Samuel and First and Second Kings and First and Second Chronicles and Ezra and Nehemiah and Esther. Awesome reads, awesome books, awesome history. In fact, there's a ton of archaeological um, digs, obviously, that have happened, but there's never been one archaeological dig or recovery that's ever uh, conflicted with anything that's written in these books of history. It's crazy. The Bible can be trusted. And then it goes from the books of law to the books of history, and then there's these books of poetry, you know, and it's, it's stuff like uh, Job and the Psalms and Proverbs and Ecclesiastes and the Song of Songs, and Job is this, like, story of this guy, this history of this guy, um, then it's got this removed thing where you're watching what's going on behind the scenes as this guy experiences incredible amounts of pain and joy in his life, and you're watching this interaction between God and the enemy of our soul, the devil, but you're also watching how God interacts with Job. It's fascinating on the problem of evil. Psalms is like this, like, like kind of a, a journal that somebody was writing poetry or writing songs to God. That's why it's so songs to God, but sometimes it's like they're mad at God. And they're writing stuff like, where are you? Why have you abandoned me? I, I can't see you, but yet you still sustain me. And then sometimes they're writing like, will you smite my enemies? Because I'm really mad at them. It's like a journal that you're journaling around. That's what Psalms is like. And then Proverbs and smite, I don't know why I said that. It probably doesn't say smite. I just made that up. Um, Proverbs is like the wisdom literature, like what we just, the series that we just walked through, like a word to the wise. That's where it's a book of Proverbs. It's so good. There's 31 of them. You could read one a month and it's one chapter a month. It's great stuff. Ecclesiastes written by what would be like what, known as the wisest person that ever lived, right? Song of Songs. This is a feisty one, married couples. Um, uh, like in Jewish culture, first century culture, like you had to be like 13 before you could read Song of Songs. And now you're probably as a 13-year-old want to go read it. Um, but it's, it's just about a romantic love and how two people fall in love in the journey of that. So that's fun. Then you get the, the major prophets, right? Where it's like people that, a prophet was somebody that was a mouthpiece for the people of God at a time when they were in great need of it and they were trying, and God was trying to lead his people in a way towards health. There's Isaiah and Jeremiah and Lamentations, Ezekiel and Daniel. Minor prophets, it's just because they were shorter in height. No, I don't know. Some of the, there's a ton of minor prophets that have good history and they're written by people that, in specific places where they were mouthpieces for God. There's really great stuff in here, names that you're going to struggle to pr pronounce. Um, this one is the Italian one called Malachi, so you're going to love that. It's Malachi. I'm just joking. That's a, that's a terrible joke. I apologize. I apologize. I'll never, my, my kids are so embarrassed, so I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Shoot. All right, so then the Old Testament ends with the minor, these are the 39 books of the Old Testament, right? And it ends, and then there's this 400 years of silence, and then the New Testament begins with the story of Jesus. Like the, uh, the Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, which I would call the autobiographies of Jesus, and most people call them the gospels of Jesus, and gospel would just be the good news of Jesus. It tells the story of Jesus arriving on the scene. Even though he's always been here since the beginning of creation, we find out in, in, in Genesis 1, but we also realize that he arrives in flesh in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And they're written by eyewitnesses, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, right? And it tells the story of Jesus. The gospels are so compelling. Watch how he lives. Watch how he speaks, watch how he teaches, watch how he interacts with people. If you don't know the history or the story of Jesus and you've just been a mythical figure out there that you could never know, you can actually know who Jesus is. Read the Gospels, read his autobiographies. 
And then the New Testament moved to this book of church history, and that sounds probably not real sexy to you, but the book of Acts is amazing. It's like how, because like at the end of the Gospels, Jesus like, he dies, he's raised again, that's why we celebrate Easter, he sends into heaven, he's given this great commission to his followers, and the book of Acts is like, oh, what do we do now? I guess we just do what he says. And they go and try to reach all of the world. It's the beginning of the early followers of Jesus that were this followers of the way. It's the beginning of the early church. It's the beginning of, of it's kind of the, 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 the spin wheel of the rest of the New Testament. It's the hub where everything spins out of because you watch how all these people go into all these worlds and all these places and reach people for Jesus. It's, it's incredible. And then the next part of the New Testament would get into Paul's letters. And Paul was this follower of Jesus that came to Christ. And he's and like most of the followers of Jesus in the first century are like, let's just stay in Jerusalem and reach our neighbors. And he's like, I think he told us to go into all the world, so I'll take all the world. And so these letters um, were places that he would go. Please, the original church planner, OG church planner, I love Paul. He would go to all these cities and begin to like plant churches and little house gatherings of people that were like outposts of followers of Jesus. And then he would travel from town to town over years, 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 and years. And then he would write letters to encourage or challenge or remind or rebuke or like um, send people towards those churches. And so he's writing or to, towards sending people um, to different places. And so all these places were real cities where real churches had been planted early on. We, a ton of the New Testament was written by Paul right here. And then there's these other letters that are written by really creative names. These are going to be hard for you to realize who wrote these letters. Um, there's first and second, there's James. Who do you think wrote James? Or James? Good, you, you're a Bible scholar. Here we go. First and second Peter, who do you think wrote that? You're doing great. First, first second, and third John? You got it. Jude? You nailed it. So you're doing great. And who do you think the letter of the Hebrews was written towards? Got it. This is amazing. You all are learning so much. And then the New Testament ends with this prophetic book, this prophecy book of Revelation. And some people are like, that, that thing's weird, right? You read it. And some people want to start at the end. And if you're one of those people that reads the last chapter of the book, just so you know how it ends, then you're like, I don't know if I want to read the book anymore, right? Like, don't do that with the Bible. You're going to read Revelation and be like, I don't know what any of this stuff means, right? The main thing of the prophetic book of Revelation is this, God wins, Right? That's the main part. So don't get stuck on anything else but God wins. What's cool is that's the 27 books of the, of the New Testament. And so then that, all that comes together in this library of the 66 books that make up the Bible. Right? And it's cool to see what happens and how this is all put together. And it's amazing what God has given us as a gift. And so I just want to talk a few minutes today about what it is so that we can know what it is. And I want to talk about how it's used and how we can access it. And then I want to talk about what it does. So that's what it is. It's 66 books. They are written by authors. I want to talk about some of the authors. There's 40 different human authors that contributed to the Bible, which was written over a period of about 1,500 years. And the human authors of this thing were kings, fishermen, priests, government officials, farmers, shepherds, doctors. And all this diversity comes this incredible unity of one sing single message. There's this division between it, between the Old Testament and the New Testament. And that would basically mean there was this way before Jesus came onto the scene in flesh. There was this old way, of uh, uh, old covenant between God and his people. And then Jesus comes on the scene and there's a new covenant between God and his people. Not to just abolish the old, but to actually fulfill the old and have a new relationship with God. That's why it's the break between the Old Testament and the New Testament. And then that we need to know that it came from God. 
Like this, the Bible came from God. The Bible's unity is the fact that it has one author and it's God himself. In fact, 2 Timothy would tell us that the Bible is God-breathed. The, the human authors wrote exactly what God intended them, intended them to write. And we can trust the veracity of the Bible. That's a big word I know. But some people are like, well, I don't know if we can trust it. But you trust Julius Caesar and you trust like the Iliad and the Odyssey from Homer. And we, have, we teach those in schools. And we have more than 100 times the amount of original like manuscripts that are the same. We have a hundred times of the amount of Bible manuscripts from the Old Testament and the New Testament than we do the Julius Caesar and the Iliad and the Odyssey combined. And we trust these things, but we, sometimes we have a hard time trusting the Bible, the veracity of it. it. It points us to God. Like it literally, it points us to who God is, his character and what he wants from us. The central theme of the Bible is salvation and the rescue of, of his people. All people. Always had a heart for all people to come to know him, to be rescued as much loved sons and daughters. And the central figure, the central character is Jesus. The whole book is really about him. The Old Testament talks about his coming, sets it up for him to enter. The New Testament describes his coming and his work to bring salvation to our sinful creature. So one of the things that's cool is that it also has so many cross-references, the way that it's tied together. And you're, able, you're going to be able to get a sticker of this on the way out if you want it. But we found, we came across this. This is 60, there's like 63,000, over 63,000 cross-references in, in the Bible. And so what you're looking at here, this is such cool to me. Um, this is every book of the Bible. You, you, when you get the sticker, you can see it. But there's like white and then gray and then gray. And then it's like different books of the Bible are different colors down here. This is the break between the Old Testament and the New Testament over here. But what the length of these things on the the bottom is like every chapter of the Bible is this right here, and the length is dependent on how many verses are in that Bible. Are you with me? Kind of tracking along of what's going on down here. But this arc is there's one, like when there's a cross reference from like one verse in let's say Genesis to one verse in let's say Colossians over here, there's a one arc, and then the, depending on the length of the arc is the different color. It is so tied together, it is so unified. There's over 63,000 cross references together in the Bible, and it points us to Jesus. And so you'll be able to get this sticker on the way out if you're interested in that. That's, um, so let me just read the, what the Bible says about itself. And sometimes that's a little sketchy on how to prove something. But I just love this, um, this verse about God's word. Psalm 19, 7, 11 says this. The instructions of the Lord are perfect, reviving the soul. The decrees of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The commandments of the Lord are right, bringing joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are clear, giving insight for living. Reverence for the Lord is pure, lasting forever. The laws of the Lord are true. Each one is fair. They are more desirable than gold, even the finest gold. They are sweeter than honey, even honey dripping from the comb. They are a warning to your servant, a great reward for those who obey them. So that's what it is. Like, like that's the collection of what it is. But how do we engage with it? How do we access it? What's crazy to me is we have unprecedented access more than any generation that's ever existed before us to the word of God. We have more access to it than anyone has ever had. And we probably have the least amount of knowledge about it than anyone, the generation, the more recent generations have had before us. And so one of the things that I'm passionate about is that we got to make it simple to get into God's word and let God's word get into us. And so one of the things that's cool is our team has been amazing. We try to get fancy a little bit here. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show you exactly what's going on, like with how we try to correlate and, or coordinate and get enough Bible stuff in there that is so simple to access and it is so powerful for us to be transformed by the renewing of our mind, renewing of our heart, and renewing of our soul. 
So we'll see if I can get this right. I messed it up so bad last night. I was so embarrassed. So I needed uh, a four-year-old to come help me figure it out. So this is like the, this is our app right here. If you want to pull out your app and we can walk along with this, if you have it, that's great. I'm just going to show you what's going on. It's going to make it look a little different on your phone because this is the iPad version. So it splits these into columns. Your phone will have it all in one line. So I'm just going to click this Bible button down here. So I'm clicking the Bible button. And this just goes to all the resources that we have just kind of coordinated together. There's way more resources, but sometimes it can be overwhelming when you have so many choices. So but, uh, let me just point a couple out, and we'll kind of work, work through them together. Like if you have your app and you wanted to click like the Uversion Bible app right here, so I'm going to click that and kind of take you to. Uversion is a free Bible app. It has so many studies. It's so helpful. It's so amazing. So let me click it for us. And it'll go right here. What's cool about the version? it'll actually even let you, like, follow Mission Church as your church on the, on the app. You don't, have to, you don't have to be sketchy about that. It'll just, like, if we put any study out, if we update anything, it'll come to you, to your version account. So if you wanted to do that, watch this. We fancy now. All right. So we can, like, zoom in. You can pull out your phone. If you don't know how to do this, pass it to your fourth grader next to you. And they'll be able to, like, do a QR code. And it'll link right to the Uversion app. And a link to if you wanted to follow mission, you don't have to. But if you wanted to follow mission, you could do that on the app. So go for it. I'll give you some time. Three, two, one. So go out of that. The Uversion has so many studies. It's so good to go back. So this is, again, just the Bible part of the mission app. We could say, like, you know what? We've done some stuff around here. We've done some classes. We've done some stuff behind the scenes about how to study your Bible, and we kind of have that on the Bible portion of the app. Literally, it's on the palm of your hands. How to study your Bible. That's great. Can I trust the Bible? Where should I go to? Can I trust the Bible? Can I ask that? Can we trust the Bible? Do we have the Bible that they wrote? Overview of the Bible. Some Bible project videos. Where do I start? There's the U version. Study methods to try. Just things to even think about. So there's different ways to go about it. There's so much stuff on here. It involves temporary tattoos. You can figure that out later. Um, There's just creative ways to get not just us through the Bible, but the Bible through us, right? So here we go. We'll go back. Let's just pick another one. You know what? Some people are like, I'd kind of like to know the whole Bible, but I don't know if I want to sign up for one of the Bibles in the year that's going to like take me from Genesis all the way through. I just don't know how to engage with it. That's, I'm glad you asked. I'm going to click this one story that leads to Jesus right here. So this would be if you want to take up the challenge of like a 365, I'm going to try to do it in a year. I'm going to have one story that leads to Jesus. The Bible Project will lead you through and start this plan right here of a way that would be track it daily for you. It would encourage you daily. It's not going to take a ton of time, but it'll help you get maybe a frame around the Bible for you. Some of us, I'll go back and they're like, I can't, I'm not doing it a year, dude. I mean, I'd like to think that I would. Maybe I, I could do, I'll do 10 days. I'll, do, I'll try it for 10 days. That's great. Becoming Christ-like, loving God with all you are. Let's click that one right there. It would be just a, a version study right here that's a 10-day study. And then you could start this plan right here. It'll walk you through the six basic aspects that, that are inseparable from every human life. And it'll take you through God's word. I'm telling you, we have more access to it and more ways to get it inside of us than we've ever had before in our entire life. I just don't want you to miss it. Now, like maybe for you, you're like, man, I'll, I'll watch The Chosen. That's great, because it kind of, granted, they take some creative liberties, but it's, like we've talked about, it's good stuff that gets, like, makes, puts some frame around what the Bible is for us. That's great. We've got a link right there for all three seasons of The Chosen that make it easy for you to get to. If you don't know how to find it, there you go. You got it right now. Boom. Good to go. Are you with, I'm, I almost went back on the screen. Let's go there. I'm just telling, the Bible Project, I got to do another one. The Bible Project, this thing is so amazing. They've, they've made it so simple. Like if you have a question about any book in the New Testament or any book in the Old Testament, or you just kind of want to know about Advent or the Gospels or the Torah or wisdom, you could click on any one of these and it'll take you to a place that is, will help you get in the study. That's how we can access it. It's so available to us. And I want you to know that. 
That's so practical. So how do we use the Bible to connect with God? First of all, we got to stand on it. And I don't mean like literally. I mean, you can if you want to, I guess. But we got to stand on it, that it is our foundation. It's the thing that holds us together under the waterline. Like, man, I was uh, privileged to do a funeral in Ojai yesterday of an incredible um, young woman that was under 30 that died from leukemia. And cancer sucks, but her dash, her life was incredible. You know what I was able to say? (laughs) That she had so many videos of her quoting scripture as she was navigating the pain. And I said, in John 6, man, the only place I know where to tell you to go, because I know who Jesus is, is that where else are we going to go but Jesus because he has the words of eternal life. And when Jesus says in John 11, I am the resurrection and the life, do you believe this? He who believes in me will never die. That's, I mean, without God's word in my head and in my heart and without God's word navigating pain, I don't know where else that you go. So we've got to be able to stand on it. We also got to be able to stand under it. Let it be our authority. Let it be our covering. Let it, not just let our own mind be the way that we should go, but we want to stand under God's word as our authority. We've got to internalize it. I mean, this is truth that we read, this truth that we learn, this truth that we study, this truth that we memorize, not because we're trying to kill in a game of Bible Jeopardy, but because we're trying to get God's word inside of us. We're not just trying to get through it so that we can get a gold star. Then we got to apply it. I don't know if you have cans of paint in your garage that haven't been applied, but they are useless. And you may have a Bible in your house, but if it has not been applied, it is useless. Because we got to make sure that we don't just know it and kill at a game of Jeopardy on it or defend it on social media because we know it, but we're actually obeying it and under its authority. So a soap method, super simple method that you probably even saw on there is that the way to do it, you're like, I don't know where to start. Get a plan. Spend some time in Scripture. Not a lot, just a few minutes in Scripture. You don't have to know exactly what you're reading. Then you observe. Like, what's it saying? Any repeated words? Anything stand out? Anything you don't know? Anything that was surprising to you? Anything that's challenging for you? Then you apply it. Then you pray. And you're like, what do I pray? Pray that Scripture. I don't know how to pray. God, help me understand this Scripture better. I think he'll answer that yes on that one, right? So let's soap it up. Middle school students, you don't know how to soap every day, but like as adults, we're trying to figure out how to soap every day. That's what we're going to go after, all right? So we talked about what it is. We talked about how we can access it. But man, it transforms lives, and it still speaks today. And I sat down with a friend of mine about a month ago, and the story, his story of him engaging with God's word was so transformative. I was like, man, there's no better way than just to show you how it works. Check out Barrett's story. Hi, my name's Barrett, and this is my story. So I grew up uh, the youngest of five kids. Uh, There was a lot of neglect and abuse in the house. We were mostly uh, raising each other. I did pretty good in school. My uncle ended up uh, allowing me to to go live with him. I was going to join the Marine Corps. That's when my brother was murdered. He was... uh, He was killed over a $5,000 drug debt. I was at church when I found out because my mom was dragging me to church. And uh, I I slammed the door to church and I walked out and I walked away from God. And I said all kinds of uh, foul promises against God. There was just so many emotions that I didn't, didn't have the tools to deal with. It was It was pain, it was outrage, it was grief, it was panic, it was fear, it was torment. 
my mind, it made sense that my brother was murdered by gangs, so I would join a gang and get revenge for the people that that killed him. Well, that, that behavior landed me in prison fairly quickly. And in prison, I got a, I got a life sentence pretty quickly. It wasn't soon after the life sentence that I got a shoe term. And the shoe is uh, an acronym for segregated housing unit. It's solitary confinement. And you're isolated to a cell by yourself. And they said, you're gonna die in this cell. You'll never get out. And I believed them. And it was in that cell that I lost all hope. I didn't have, I didn't have any peace. I didn't have any purpose. I decided that I was gonna go ahead and uh, kill myself and the world would be a better place without me. Well, that day, I think it was a Saturday, um, I was flipping through the channels. And so I come across a Christian channel and there's a, a minister. Man, everything in me hated him. The most vile thoughts and accusations came to mind and I just spit it. I spit vomit at him and I remember taking a breath and then hearing him talk about a peace that passes understanding and about why Christ came. He didn't come to make bad people good. He came to make dead people live. And inside I felt dead. So I listened to him for a while and I thought, well, joke's on you because my life has no value, absolutely none. But you're offering to give me this incredible gift of peace if I'll give you my life. So I'll get something that I really, really want and you'll get nothing. So I said a prayer and I got on my knees and I said, I'll give you my life. It's worthless and there's not much you can do with it, but I'll give it to you if you give me that peace. But I'm not gonna settle for an old pie in the sky. It's gotta be real, because one way or the other, I'm gonna, I'm gonna find peace in the morning. It'll either be with Christ or it'll be at the end of the rope. And I woke up and it was July 22nd, 2012. And man, I felt the most incredible peace. It was in the cell and it was, it went to the core of who I am. And it was the first time that I could remember feeling just calm inside and I could breathe. So I said, okay, I'm gonna be a Christian. But I didn't know what that meant. So I went and asked the control cop Marsnik if he had a Bible and he said, yeah, I'll give you my Bible. And he gave me his Bible. And I spent the next three years in the shoe studying that Bible and I would walk on a concrete yard and I would sit in my cell and I would memorize scriptures. And I used to read the gospels and just see how he interacted with, uh, with people like me and just the mercy and compassion that he had. And there was a, uh, a series of, well, I will call them miracles that the Lord did in my life to, to give me an opportunity to get out of prison. And so I got granted that, uh, that opportunity to go in front of the parole board. And at the end of that interview, they they said, uh, we're gonna grant you parole and want you to get into the community. Man, I broke down crying. I, uh, I sobbed like a baby and I was released the day before Thanksgiving in 2022 and uh, I got to have Thanksgiving with my family for the first time in 
in 20 years and I got to embrace them and and kiss them and and I hope that uh that someone will look at my testimony and, and just say that's absolutely God there's no way that he did that it was it was Christ and because I know when I gave my life to Christ I was ungodly and he saved me and he gave me a new way of life and a new peace and a new purpose and hope and just overwhelming joy in my heart and I I, I know like uh Pastor Mike says, nobody's perfect. And I still got a lot of work to do on myself, and I wouldn't change it for the world. My name's Barrett. I believe that Jesus is the Christ, and he saved my life. Jesus saves. God still reigns. The Bible still speaks. Sometimes... I feel like we go, I don't know what God wants me to do. I don't know what God has said. And God's like, I've already said it. It's written down literally. It's in your hands. And it transforms our hearts and our minds and our souls. Parrot would be like, man, God's word, Jesus saved me and God's word transformed my mind and my heart. And I'm going to get under its authority. Man, I want that for you. Why don't you pray with me? God, you're good, and you're kind, and you're great. Thank you for Barrett. Thank you for the, your rescue of him. It makes you look really good, God. Um, thank you for the kindness that you offer all of us. Thank you for your word. It's been preserved through generations at great cost so that we can have access to it and access to you. God, you've given us everything that we need to live the life that you called us to. May we take some steps to not be intimidated by it, but to engage with it and be encouraged by it. And God, would you let us be transformed by it? It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.